0: Today, we continue with our mini-series called Giving God's Way, breaking free from the spirit of stingy. Have you ever experienced the spirit of stingy? Parents, come on now. Are all your kids the most generous things? Did they get raised where they're just the most generous things, where, where they would just, they love to share their toys? No, they're just naturally what? It's their nature. It's all of our nature. We're naturally stingy, Uh, and uh, so I just use that kind of title to get your attention because the Bible teaches us that that's not the Spirit of God. Aren't you glad God was not stingy when it came to the grace of God for your life? That God looked at, didn't look at you and say, you know what? I'm just going to give you a little of my Holy Spirit. Or I'm just going to bless you a little bit because you don't deserve to be. Or I just don't feel like it today. I'm feeling a little stingy with my grace. So I'm going to make you suffer a little more here. That's just not the nature or the character of God. And so it's not the Spirit of God. It's the, it's our sin nature. And so we're going to talk about some things. A couple of weeks ago, we started with the right motive. Uh, we talked about the motivations of giving. Uh, and uh, we talked about the love of God. God so l- loved the world that he, he gave. It's a great motivator. If we, the Bible says if we say we love God, and don't love our brother. We're a liar. You lie. And so there's a lot of motivations that are right motivations. The grace of God ought to motivate us. The gift of God within us should motivate us. The Word of God, just reading the Bible, it should motivate us because the Bible teaches us to be givers and the promises of God. We usually get there first. We, we want to give because there's a promise to get uh, and, and that's not the primary motivation, but as you build a motivation of right-heartedness, uh, it, it releases you to a place where you experience the promises of God in your life. In fact, I thought I afterthought about that message that, that God is pretty serious about our motives when we give. In fact, He said in Matthew 6, when you give, don't you give like those Pharisees do. They're given to be seen by men. They're given to 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 not have rewards in heaven, but rewards on earth. So don't be like that. He was talking about their motivation. And then into the New Testament, go down this one for with me for a minute. This ought to put the fear of God in us. The church is born. People are given and given and given. Listen, when you uh, hey when when real church is happening, the spirit of stingy's nowhere. They were giving, they were selling their stuff. Read it in Acts 2. They were selling all their stuff because understand something, a lot of them just relocated their whole world to to Jerusalem where the Holy Spirit. And so they're giving as anybody had need. We may look at it if we have time in a moment. But in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira came to give a gift and they had lied about, they had sold a piece of property and they lied, they, I don't know what got into them other than the sin nature. They lied about how much they got for it. And so they were wanting their gift to look more, uh, uh, you know, generous than it really was. When in reality, had they just given what they given with the right heart and not lied, everything would be all right. Everybody say everything would be all right. But they lied and Ananias came in and he lied and the unction came upon, I think it was Peter, and he said, you lied. did you lie? And he dropped dead in the New Testament. (laughs) and then a little later Sapphira came in not knowing what had happened and she kept the lie going and she dropped dead how many of you would like me to move on from that point right there okay I just thought man God's pretty serious about the motivations of our heart when it comes to giving right and so we talked about that then last week we talked about the right mindset getting our mind getting our thinking how many of you know if you get your thinking straight you can get a lot of other things straight too We learned last week that the right mindset is we give selflessly, worshipfully, sacrificially, willingly, generously, and cheerfully. And we—oh, it was a great week last week. And today, very simply, we're going to talk about the right methodology. You know, the Bible is a is a a book of guidelines and insights and instruction and method and strat. How many of you know sowing seeds is method? There's a lot of method and and ways and means to accomplish things. Found and very basically in Scripture, uh, there's three what I see biblical methodologies or ways, or I could say this pockets in which we have the ability to give into from from a biblical standpoint. And I'll look at them all simply and quickly today. The first one is the tithe. The second one is offerings. We 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 did both of those already. We took up the tithe and then the our little bucket here as an offering, uh, to our missionaries and to the children of Haiti, uh, and then there's the alms gift, uh, which we'll look at briefly, and we'll talk about each of those. But those are three, and I'm sure if you really got dug deep, uh, you might find another, uh, but it, this kind of covers the basic of the biblical, uh, methods, ways, and means, or pockets that, that we as God's people have the opportunity to give to not just a uh, uh, not ju- as you'll see in the old testament especially and even in the new testament they didn't give just their money uh they gave their stuff so it's an interesting insight and so uh, with that in mind, let me re-est- I want to reestablish something for you today. It's a biblical precedent concerning giving that you and I need to embrace and reembrace and review in our hearts. And here it basically is. And this I would suggest to you uh, uh, about the biblical precedent for giving. There's a lot we could say, but you might want to take a picture of this and log this down and even tweet it if you want, if you're a tweeter. Here it is. What we do or don't do with our money shows where our heart is. Let's all say it out loud. Even if you don't really believe it, uh, just repeat it just for the sake of, uh, of volume this morning. Here we go. What we do or don't do with our money reveals where our heart is. Let me give you an example. Remember the little woman? Jesus was setting. I forget where in God, the Gospels. He was setting watching people as they give. How many of you know Jesus is watching when we give? He was watching, and, and it looks to me like he was counting because the little woman that, that was poor came up and gave two mites which is which is a pittance. And he gathered his disciples together and he said, look, these people gave out of their abundance. This woman gave out of her need. In fact, she gave all she had. And he commended her for that. And he was, what was he do, Looking at her heart. And so this principle is true. What we do or don't do with our money reveals where our heart is. I've said this. I think it's true. I could probably uh, look at your checkbook or your bank account and within f- five or 10 minutes, determine where your heart is. Not think about it a second, but let me give you a biblical insight. Matthew six twenty one, Jesus said this, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Say it out loud, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so I I think you and I need to embrace this biblical precedent. We What we do or don't do with our money reveals where our heart is, okay? And so I just wanted to get that settled and quickly, let's go through these three basic areas of, of opportunity for us to sow seed into. The first one is the tithe, of course, and it's in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, little different ways and means. Uh, and uh, and without, uh, ch- I'm just going to show you. Is that okay if I just show you? It really begins, uh, it begins early on in creation. But let me start in Genesis 14. Uh, and, and you can go there later. Genesis 14, uh, verse uh, 19 and 20. Abram, who became Abraham, the father of our faith, who was justified by faith even before Jesus came. This man was a man of faith. He had an interaction with Melchizedek, who was what some would call a manifestation of God in human form. Okay, you read the story of Melchizedek and you will understand this. Some believe potentially it was a manifestation of Jesus in the early days. Uh but uh, that's not the point. It was such a manifestation of God in Abram's life that the Bible says Abram tithed to Melchizedek. 600 years before the law and the, and the and the law concerning tithing was ever given. So it's a pre-law principle that God placed uh, before us, uh, and so it teaches the principle of tithing even before the law talked about tithing. In fact, though I haven't validated it personally, as I was reading, uh, if you if you were under the law, you would not be giving ten percent. It would be somewhere between twenty-five and thirty percent because there were different types of tithes. And so, how many of you thank thank God we've been delivered from the law? Amen. Uh, and so, uh, but the principle was established early on. And one of my favorite verses, and I want you to go there, is Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3 is a great passage concerning uh, and, and I quote this a lot. I, I love if you don't read through the Proverbs, shame on you. In fact, I would encourage you at some point, just take one a day and, and just meditate on them. You could start on the first because there's 30. You could start on the first of this coming month and read through all the Proverbs. It'd be great for you. But look what it says in Proverbs chapter three, verse nine, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit. Someone say first fruit. With, that's the print, and, and if you want to get into this, study the principle of first fruits—the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow. <coughs> pardon me, with new wine. I love that. In fact, I love all of Psalm uh, Proverbs three. If you go back up, you could connect this to that. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Don't be wise in your own eyes, especially when it comes to finances. Uh, Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh, strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase. So, so there's the principle. And now, here here's an interesting insight concerning tithes, slash the first fruits. And let me just say, some people look at their checkbook and they say, well, if there's anything left, how many of you know God doesn't deserve the leftovers? In fact, I learned that early on. You say, well, I can't afford to tithe. I'm just gonna say this is personal, not in the notes. I've learned for me personally, I can't afford not to. Because I guarantee you, I'm not smart enough for my vats to overflow with plenty and my barns to be filled with, come on now. I need his hand upon my life. He is my provider. Amen. And so, it's the principle of first fruits. If you go to Genesis 4, you don't need to, but it's the story of Cain and Abel. They're born, and it says quickly in the first four verses that as they, as they grew, it says Cain, over the process of time, basically, here's what it says. He gave out of his abundance an offering. But it says about Abel, Abel gave the first fruits of his harvest, of his flocks. It's the principle of first fruit. It connects with this this, mind, this thought of tithing. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all your increase. And what does it God say? I mean, right in the beginning, you need to catch this. God is teaching us something from the beginning of time with the two sons, the two first sons. And it says one gave over the process of time. There was a time in my life when I said, Lord, if you'll bless me, I'll bless you back. And he said, that ain't how it works. I mean, that's what he told me. And then I learned later it's a biblical principle. He said, if you'll bless me, I'll bless you. It's a principle of sowing and reaping. It's not the principle of reaping and then sowing. And so he, uh, Cain, Cain gave out of over the bundle. He said, when I get enough, I'll give. And Abel said, I'm going to give the first fruits. And the Bible says God was not honored by Cain's offering. But he was honored by Abel's offering, who gave it the first. It's a principle in Scripture that was taught us in the beginning of time. And everybody said amen. And then, of course, you go to Malachi, and I'm going to go there. It's the last book, uh, and I'm going I'm to we'll let you off the hook this morning. How many of you would love to be let off the hook? Amen. If you're on the hook, I'm going to let you off the, let you off the hook a little bit, uh, because some have used this passage of scripture to, 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 uh, uh, put us in bondage. Uh, chapter three, verse eight. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. This is God saying, but, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. And then he goes on to say, you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Then he says, verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord. And look, here's the promise again. And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be no room enough to receive it. And everyone said, amen. Now there's great principle and great truth in this passage as well. Uh, and I've and I may have been guilty of this, and it says, Man, you rob God, you're cursed with a curse. Let me make myself perfectly clear. If you do not tithe and give, I believe that is a form of robbery from God because it all belongs to him anyway. And he may want some of it back. He may want all of it back. Ask Job. But he said, you've done it, and you're cursed with a curse. Now, here's what I'm going to let you off the hook. When Jesus came, you know what he did? Read Galatians 3. Somebody say, you know what he did? You know what? You read Galatians 3. You know what you're going to do? We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Somebody say amen. Now, here's my personal understanding of this. We are not cursed because of our lack of giving. In fact, I know people who, from our limited understanding of blessing, they are not givers, but they have money. How many of you know that? More money is not the definition of blessing. Let me tell you something. I look at my world. I am a gazillionaire when it comes to blessings. She's holding one of them right there. That's a blessing that money cannot buy right there. It costs a lot of money to take care of that blessing. But that's a blessing money cannot buy. And so, so, I, I, no way should we tell people if you don't tithe, you're cursed by God. That's not true. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. We'll talk about it more in just a minute. Uh, and I'll, I'll bring some greater understanding and insight to that. So, there's the tithe in the Old Testament. Uh, but here's some, uh, you say, well, Uh, it's not mentioned in the New Testament. Well, I I believe it is. Not in great detail. Uh, what you see in the, in the, uh, New Testament by and large is this massive generosity from the people of God. And, and, uh, and the Bible teaches that, hey, we give as we've been blessed. We've been blessed. And I told somebody this the other day. We were talking about it. And I said, I said, well, if, if going to heaven, and being delivered from hell was about a 5% blessing in your life. Uh, hey, think about it. And so we give according to how we've been blessed. And I'm telling you, I have been blessed. Matthew 23, 23. I want to show you this. Uh, it's a great little insight and a lot of people miss it. Uh, Jesus says this, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Everybody, I know some of you have been wanting to say that word. To somebody, don't say it to somebody, but just quote the Bible, go, hypocrites. Oh, somebody, you couldn't do it, could you? Come on, say hypocrites. Jesus looked them right between the eyeballs, these scribes and Pharisees, and said, you're hypocrites. Why are you hypocrites? I'll explain. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the other ones undone. Now, you know what he's you know what he's saying here? It was right for you to tithe. Can I go on? That's it, that's what he's saying. But you should have done this too. You can't you can't just do one without the other it's it's and so right here Jesus himself he called these guys hypocrites not because they were tithing but because they were tithing probably with wrong motivations and they weren't they were leaving out the other things concerning uh righteousness and and faith and and other important principles of the word of God and that's hypocritical he said you need to be doing all of it Amen. And, we, and you know what that teaches me too? We can't pick and choose what we, what we want to do. We've got to follow the model. We'll talk about that in a moment. So, so there's the tithe, the Old Testament, New Testament. Let me give you a quote today from John D. Rockefeller. I love this. He said this, I never would have been able to tithe on the first million of dollars I ever made if I had not tithe on my first salary, which was $1.50 per week john d rockefeller he's he's a pretty good I, I thought that was great, so there's the tithe secondly, the offering uh the tithe then the offering uh and uh the offering I'll just give you an, a, an old Testament verse that just really kind of i think would blanket and be beneficial to us throughout our life exodus thirty five twenty nine the children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord, in other words, it was their of their own what Free will, it was not a commandment. It was a free will offering. And and, and let me just go to Ananias and Sapphira. It was a free will offering. They just got their motives all messed up, started lying. Bring an offering. Children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord, all the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, had commanded to be done. I love kind of, I could read between the lines there and I'm sure there's more in the greater context but put this Moses said there's some things got to get done around here. He then didn't say so let's take up an offering. These people had the right heart evidently and it says they the children brought a free will offering to the Lord. They look says we got some things we got to get done. It's going to take resources to get it done and they just started bringing their stuff. That's an offering. We took up an offering this morning with our Haiti outreach. And, 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 well, and actually, uh, that could be considered an alms. We'll talk about that. Uh, we've, hey, we've taken up offerings for computer, uh, you know, for our Facebook and all those things. We've taken up offerings. Uh, they're free will offerings. There's no requirement there. Uh, but, I, I do think God has an expectation of us. It doesn't mean it's an optional part of our world. It means it's something of our own free will that we have the capacity to discern and decide which way we want to give. I don't think it's well. I'm not. I'm going to give my time, but. Don't be asking me for no more, preacher. How many even know that's not the right? It's it's we we have this wonderful capacity to be able to give offerings in places that we just feel a desire to help. I'll, I'll give you an example. I won't mention a name, but I, I I've told you my story as a young high school student. My teacher in Red Oak High School was a. Her and her husband were spirit filled people, and they invested in my life. We had a little coffee house. We were Jesus and the Jesus movement I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh in and under their ministry uh and man they they did a whole lot in just a couple of 3 years to set me on the right course uh and so I just appreciate, and then I'm now, they're they're my Facebook friends, and we interact a little. They live in California. She's a real estate agent now, probably makes a lot more than she did now out in California than being my speech teacher in Red Oak, Texas back in 1972. Uh, And so I got an email from her the other day while I was in Mexico. I don't know if she saw the picture. She said, Sam, I want to give an offering to Agua Resources. How do I do that? I said, I think I can help. It's the donate now button. And, but I was so thrilled about that long-term relationship out of her own free will. She wants to give an offering. So there you go. It's the offering. And then number three, the alms gift. Everyone everyone kind of gets on board with the alms gift. It's certainly a valid giving area because there's always needs. It's it's it, In fact, one scripture that I don't have in my notes, he that lends to the poor gives to the Lord and God will repay. God, God will bless us when we give to those in need. Uh, and some of us, how many of you know needs are everywhere? And as a pastor, it's hard for me, especially in times gone by. I would have, have needy people walk through my doors. Like I had a big sign out there, you know, come in here. We got gazillion dollars to give to all the need. And I would, I had to guard my heart against being uh, a little cynical because a lot of people that, that's their gig. They know how to get money. And so you had to guard your heart. And so that, and so, uh, but. Uh, that, undermine, that experience can undermine the heart of giving when it comes to giving to people in need. It's the alms gift. In fact, Matthew 6, where Jesus said, when you give, he's talking about an alms gift, giving to those who have need. And so it's very clear from even the Old Testament and New Testament understanding that we as God's people should be benevolent towards those who have needs. Are you with me? And even Acts 2 that I talked about earlier, it could probably be considered an alms gift when they all sold their possessions and gave to each other as they had need. You could you could categorize it that way. And so it's the alms gift. So you have the tithe, which I believe according to the... And, and we, I was talking to some of my guys... uh I said, you know, there's things in Scripture that, you know, you if you read one verse, you would think one thing, but if you read another verse, you'd think another thing. Let me give you an example. Marriage and divorce. Anybody, with over 50% of people in the America being divorced, you read one Scripture and you go, OMG, I can never get remarried. Right? Am I right? And then you read another one, God gave them a writ of divorce because the hardness of their heart. Oh no! how what a and, and you can study this out, but here here I'm not a theologian, but this is a principle I use many times when I come to what does the Bible really say about a subject? I put it all in a blender in my head and in my heart. All the scriptures and verses on marriage and divorce. All the scriptures and verses on giving, uh, in, in a blender. And I, and I hit the blend button. Whoop! And I blend it up. What does God say about this? And you can come up with the heart of God pretty much. Uh, and now that's not, I would not use that as your the old standard uh uh what they call hermeneutic interpretation process but a lot of times when you when there's questions here and questions there put it all in the blender and go when it comes to salvation, that's pretty simple. With salvation, so that's kind of the way I do with giving, uh, in in a lot of ways. You know, you you, you can't be legalistic over here. You got to have grace over here. But there is principle and guideline to follow. Are you with me? There's methodology. Amen. So, amen. The tithe, uh, the offering, and the alms. Speaking of alms, this week, three water wells were drilled to people who need water desperately. And I have an ask. Uh, frank to uh testify this morning i won't uh but uh he had his first experience bringing fresh water to needy people you can ask him later uh and i will ask you this i'll interview you any of the places we drill water did you when you walked away going these people don't need this water did you feel that at all they needed it right i'm telling you we're meeting needs it's an alms gift and, and and let me just say let me tell you, it costs money to drill water wells in Mexico. It really does. I've had people I've had people who don't know better. They say things. Have you ever not known better and said something you shouldn't have? Well, why don't we just teach them how to do it? I don't even want to go there. It's a different culture. Plus, they don't have the money. Okay, get over it. All right, here we go. So it's an alms gift. Let me just show you a pic just for fun. This was an alms gift. Uh, and so dim those lights. Let's see if we got these pictures up here. Uh, yeah, help me out. Get it down. The pictures, i got any pictures. Are, yes or no? Oh, here we go. Oh, here's one. Frank, you remember this one? Pretty nice. Uh, this, was this the hard one? This was the well that we drilled the first day, I think. Yes. Is this the first one? This is the first one. Go back, go back, go back. I'll tell about each one. Go back to the other one. Yeah, these little girls, this will we drilled 50-something foot, and, and then we, tr- and we just, uh, there's ways to know if there's water. Uh, and we'd, I didn't have a lot of confidence, but here's what we said. We'll come back the next day, and we'll, we'll test it. Because, see, that hand pump, you don't have to have a lot of gallons per minute for that hand pump to be effective. And and if you don't, if you get down low, down to 50 foot and you think minimal water, uh, if there's any water, it could rise in the column, if you know what I mean. And so we came back the next day and there was some water in the column. And we said, we were potentially going to pull this one and just say, ditch it. Uh, and so, but we didn't. We said, let's just wait and test it with a, with a submersible pump. Came back, there's water there. Uh, and so we came back on the third, on the fourth day to set the pump. And then we set this pump, just pump water, pump water, pump water, pump water. Pump water. So it's a great well. So that's well number one. And then here's another well. I'm not, uh, this was a well number th- two or three. This wa- well right here, uh, was, we call it Courtney's Well. It was given, uh, the resources given to, to pay for this one well was given by a couple whose daughter Courtney passed away at a young age. And she called me or texted me or Facebooked me and said, how much does it cost to put a well in? every year we give a mission's work uh, some money in her honor. Uh, and uh, so this is Courtney's well. And I told her on Facebook, this little well right here, I, we think, we have no way of totally, this was the most productive well in the history of Agua Resources. If you go to my Facebook page, you'll see some video Where we jet the well. We're pushing water down the, uh, air down the well to blow water up the well. And that's called jetting the well. It purifies it. And we had massive, I'm saying massive amounts of water in this little well. There's Courtney's well. Uh, and so, and then one more picture. Uh, this was the last one we set. This is the last well we drilled. Yes. Uh, I think, yeah, this is the last one we drilled on Thursday. Uh, in a in a region in an area you would think you'd run out of places to drill but let me tell you what happens in and around that area areas that are undeveloped people who own it they start breaking it up in lots and they sell it now how would you like this in america when a, an addition goes in what do they do they they do all the they build all the roads they put in all the water they put in all the sewer they put in all the electrical and then they sell you a lot correct that's not how it works in Mexico, especially where we, we are. They'll sell you a lot with no road, no water, no electricity. And so over the years, these little areas, in fact, we've put in water wells where hardly nobody was. And then a year later come back and there's, uh, there's a whole entire colony around our water well. So this is the way this one is. And the, the road in there was what my son calls sketch. Man, that van, we we're going, you know, it's like, where's the four-wheel drive? We got in, that was a great little well, too. So, so three wells in four days, uh, ready to go. They're pumping water out of them today. Let's give the Lord some praise. That's an alms gift. And then this week, we're continuing giving bags for the children of Haiti. Man, that's an alms gift. Okay, given to people who need, need things. And then, let me just say, while I was in, in Haiti this week, I got a text from someone who I'm, our church is ministering to, a new family, single parent mom, who was desperate. They're going to turn my electricity off, uh, this week. Uh, and, uh, you know, basically, she didn't ask for money. She said, I get paid in a couple of weeks and I can pay it, but they're going to turn my electricity off. Uh, and this might have motivated me a little bit. Can, can we come stay with you? <laughs> I, said, no, I don't know about that, but I will help you. And so our church family, in fact, I would, I, let's do this. I think this would be great. Uh, I called Beverly, who was with her mother, and Beverly paid the necessary money, uh, to keep the electricity from, uh, from, uh, being turned off. I think it was $200, right? $200. And so that's already been paid. And so they, they'll they be able to, they kept the lights on and she'll be able to pay the balance probably next week. But let's do this, this for fun, just to practice an alms gift, okay? Uh, I've got, um, you're supposed to do this in secret. But as an example, uh, if you would like to help cover that, I got a $20 bill, all we would need is how many? Tom's got a twenty. There forty. How many do we need? Ten? We need ten twenties. Let me get ten hands. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 2, 3, 4, do it in the That's the way they do it in the biker world. <laughs> there's one. Anyway, that's a good that's a good way. Okay. There's mine and mine. After church you come up and, and now That'll, you'll be able to practice an alms gift. You say, well, you already gave it. Well, you're helping me having given it. So, so just to wait, just to break the spirit of stingy off of us. Now, if you don't have the capacity, it's an offering. No pressure. So with that in mind, uh, let me give you something that I came up with today, uh, in my heart, uh, as I was finishing up. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little statement. Is it still a, did I put it on the PowerPoint? There it is. The big idea. Everybody say, what's the big idea? What's the big idea? Here it is. This is what, this is, I will melt it down. Giving is not a biblical mandate we must follow. I told you we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. If you want to be stingy, go ahead. (laughs) I've just been honest. You're not cursed with a curse. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Giving is not a biblical mandate we must follow. It's a biblical model for all of us to follow. It's all throughout the Word of God. What a great model to follow. Amen. Jesus was a giver. I love this. Jesus said, bring me some fish. You You know how the multiplication happened? Somebody gave up their lunch. Somebody had to be willing to give. And then you know what Jesus did? He took somebody, a little boy's lunch, and he gave everybody lunch. Aren't you glad? Amen? So, it's a biblical model to follow. And if you want to be biblical, if you want the blessing of God to, to overwhelm you, and your vats to overflow with new wine, Your barns be filled with plenty and it all get there because God blessed you. Just follow the model. Follow the methods and the model that God has given us. How many know Jesus in the Bible teaches methodology at the place of prayer? Right? When you pray, but also teach them when you give. And so there's methodology and ways and means. So, so, hey, there it is. It's the methodology. We're going to close next week and I'm done with the miracle of giving. It's miraculous. It's miraculous. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, today as we close I feel so good about you. I feel so good about what you're doing in our lives and what you did this morning in the altar. Thank you, Jesus. And what you're doing in each and every one of us, not just with our money and stuff, but with our lives. Lord, I'm reminded of that Philippian church that says they first gave themselves to the Lord. So, Lord, we give ourselves to you today. Have your way in our hearts and lives. It all belongs to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I just need to know for sure, I know God so loved me that He gave His Son for me. I just need to know He lives in my heart. If that's you today and you say, Pray for me, Pastor. I just need to know that I know that I know Jesus. Lift your hand up and I'll pray for you right where you are, anyone. Amen. Someone else, lift your hand. I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. We have someone who, who just wants to know for sure that Jesus lives in her heart. And so we're all going to pray together with you today out of the sincerity of our hearts. The Bible says this about what it takes to be born again. It says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, If you confess him as the Lord and the leader of your life and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'd be saved. It's faith. For by grace, we are saved through faith. And so today, dear, all you have to do is put your faith in what Jesus has already done for you on the cross and then allow him to come in and be the Lord and the leader of your life. We're going to all pray a prayer with you today, dear, and let's agree together right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we we pray this prayer, we thank you for the miracle of salvation. Everyone pray with me on behalf of this one who lifted their hand today. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. For paying for my sin with your blood. I thank you that you died for me. But you also rose again so I could have a new life. I invite you into my heart to be the Lord and the leader of my life. I confess you as my Lord. And from this day forward, I will serve you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Amen. Come on. People been born again today. Hallelujah.